It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 26, 2020. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore O-N-D. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about Vince Carter and his time with the Orlando Magic as he officially hangs it up for a fantastic 19-year uh, career, uh, or 22-year career, a fantastic, fantastic career for Vince Carter. We'll talk about him and his legacy with the Orlando Magic. We'll also talk a little bit about Evan Fournier, a player that is certainly a lightning rod among Magic fans for some reason that I'm not entirely sure. Some of it made up, some of it legitimate, some of it uh, just, some of it just what it is. Um, we'll talk about all that coming up here in just a moment. Before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. By searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the latest on Vince Carter's retirement? Check out Locked On Raptors and Locked On Hawks. I'm sure they'll have Vince Carter's retirement covered from every angle you can think of, plus Locked On NBA, of course, as well. You can check out all these great podcasts where you download podcasts, whether it's the NBA, NFL, NHL, or College 2, or MLB, or any sport, really. There's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Vince Carter's time with the Orlando Magic didn't really start off on the best foot. Just a few weeks removed from the Orlando Magic's run to the 2009 NBA Finals, Magic fans really believed they were knocking on the door of a championship. 
and that their team was ready and able to grow to that next phase. Hito Turku was set to become a free agent, and it was not 100% certain the Magic were going to, to re-sign him, were going to be willing to fork over the money it would take to keep him. But optimism still abounded. And on draft night, the Orlando Magic began what was an extremely aggressive summer in the summer of 2009 to maintain their spot in the championship pecking order. The results, of course, would suggest that the Magic did do this. They finished with the same 59-win uh, season. They reached the Eastern Conference Finals again. To a lot of people, and J.J. Redick is included in this group, the 2010 Magic were better than the 2009 Magic. But Vince Carter will all, because that team ultimately fell short, because the Magic did not return to the NBA Finals that year, Vince Carter's a little bit of a scapegoat, with the Magic at least. The Magic traded away Courtney Lee, a fan favorite and a friend of Dwight Howard's. They let Hito Turkoglu go, and of course, the results are in the put are are there. The Magic failed to make the finals once again, despite this all-in move. Never mind that this move made a lot of sense. Carter was coming off a a relatively poor year by his standards, scoring twenty point eight points per game. But that was part of a string of ten straight seasons, averaging at least twenty points per game. Carter was still a dynamic offensive figure who could score and create his own shot with ease, hit from the outside. The Magic didn't need him to take over. They had plenty of guys who could score, and Jameer Nelson, and Dwight Howard, and Richard Lewis. They just needed Carter to be that guy to take over at the end of games. They needed, they figured they could have him keep that bit of reserve, and that star power would push them forward nonetheless. Because Dwight Howard was their guy. They had Richard Lewis who could score. They had guys who could put the ball in the basket. And again, it largely worked until the playoffs, until things really mattered. And unfortunately for Orlando Magic fans, unfortunately for the mainland high school alum, Vince Carter's lasting legacy in a Magic uniform is that disappointment, that inability to get past the Boston Celtics and into the NBA Finals for a second straight year. His ultimate legacy is the Magic falling short. And then in the 2011 season, falling apart. The image that we all think of, or the image that comes to my mind when I think of Vince Carter in a Magic uniform, unfortunately, is a disappointing series against the Celtics. Yes, he carried the Magic through Game 1 and gave them a chance to win, but he missed two critical free throws at the end of Game 2. And from there, as free throws tend to do for players in Magic uniform, in big moments like that, It's always free throws. Vince Carter kind of fell apart. He's not the same player for the rest of that series as the Magic nearly got swept. And it was pretty clear at that point that this team just didn't have the juice. That Vince Carter was not the superstar the Magic imagined. Vince Carter did not play very long in a Magic uniform, just two seasons. 97 total games in the regular season, at least. He averaged 16.3 points per game, shot a pretty solid 49.3 effective field goal percentage. 49.3% effective field goal percentage. 
Vince Carter was a lot better in a Magic uniform than a lot of people probably remember. But of course, it, it wasn't Vince Carter. This was the beginning of Vince Carter's transition from superstar, Hall of Famer, and to quality role player, and eventually veteran mentor. The Magic indeed bought Vince Carter at the tail end of his prime, if not beyond his prime. They got whatever last vestiges there were. And again, that's ultimately his legacy in a Magic uniform, that he and the team fell short. There's been a little bit of, it's not revisionist history. And I think Vince Carter is, is pretty properly rated in NBA history and by fans. There has been over the last few years an appreciation of Vince Carter and his career. Less important to the analysis of Carter's career is that he never won a championship. That the 2010 Magic were actually the closest he ever got to winning a championship, getting to that Eastern Conference Finals. There's more of an appreciation of how much he's given back to the game from the way he inspired an entire generation of players in Canada to, to pick up a basketball and play. His time with the Toronto Raptors was incredibly influential in the growth of the game throughout Canada, throughout an entire country. And again, to me alone, that makes him a Hall of Famer beyond everything else. We look back and see how he gave back to the game time and time again. He could have easily gone around and tried to hunt a championship but he wanted to give back, wanted to be a mentor to young players, wanted to, to pass on his knowledge. And you could see from the outpouring of support and thanks that he got from throughout the NBA community, from former teammates, from people who grew up watching him, now that he has finally and officially announced his retirement, which he did on his, on his podcast, uh, Winging It, with, uh, with uh, Vince Carter there. And so, on this day, I feel like, you know, we're never going to completely erase the disappointment of the 2010 season. Like I said, I think the 2010 team was better than the 2009 team. So, in a lot of ways, what Otis Smith did that summer worked, and what Vince Carter did, did worked. But of course, once you've tasted championship success, once you've tasted a little bit of the finals, that's all you want. And in a lot of ways, the Magic are still chasing that high. Got them into trouble a little bit during this rebuild. The Magic ultimately did not achieve their goal, and so it's hard to call the 2010 season a success, even if it was better than 2009, because that, that season's only goal was to win a championship. And yeah, Vince Carter not being the Vince Carter the Magic needs. Still a very good Vince Carter, but not the Vince Carter the Magic needed mattered. But let's think back on the good memories. You know, you don't speak ill of the dead, or in this case, the retired. And let's give Vince Carter the appreciation he deserves. He put on one of the great scoring performances in Magic history in scoring 48 points against the New Orleans, Pel New Orleans Hornets on TNT right around Mardi Gras in February. He had the smooth smoothness and coolness that really frankly, counterbalanced a lot of Dwight Howard's craziness at the time. He still had the death-defying dunks, pulling out a 360 one time against the Memphis Grizzlies on a breakaway because it just seemed like he felt like it. 
And Magic's pregame dunk show, he was the old head for sure. Not the ringmaster, but no, that was Anthony Johnson. But he was someone that could play along and keep things light, which is which is important with that Magic team. Again, I, I think the 2010 Magic had a little bit of a seriousness issue problem, but that was a good group that kept things light and played together. And Again, the failure in 2010, I think, took a lot of the joy out of the 2011 season when things really started to fall apart. Vince Carter, the Magic needed the Brooklyn, the New Jersey Nets and Toronto Raptors, Vince Carter. They needed the, kill, the killer scorer who could drive and finish above the rim. And of course, at 33 years old, that was beginning to fade. If, if it had not faded already, Carter had begun to transform his game a little bit to stay relevant and stay alive. And I would bet that Carter would say, while that season was incredibly fun, one of the great disappointments of his career is that he could not deliver a title to his hometown. That it was in his hands in a lot of ways. That he had a big role and just couldn't get that team and couldn't get himself over the hump. And Unfortunately, when it comes to his playing, I think that's what defines Carter. Uh, a lot of flashy, a flashy player who put up a lot of numbers and had such an outsized impact, but couldn't translate that into wins. The Magic gave him his best shot. Carter, honestly, I think he gave it his best shot. Unfortunately, that pressure is a lot to take. And I would say for a lot of Magic fans who still are very endeared to Carter, I mean, he is a local kid. He went to Mainland High School over in Daytona Beach, still lives in Orlando during the offseason. I think it hurt him a little bit too. But Carter is still incredibly popular as it is, as as it seems to everywhere. Time has healed a lot of wounds. Time has healed a lot of the disappointments. Time has papered over a lot of the bad parts and left us only with the good memories of the impact and fun that was Vince Carter. We're going to take a, a quick break here because, you know, in, in a basketball game, you get quarter breaks. You get all those opportunities to to kind of reset yourself, to, to center yourself, to, to get your focus back. And, you know, it's it's tough to make such a hard transition both from, from, a, a, from a topic like Vince Carter to an ad break and then off to our next topic here. And so we're just going to rip the Band-Aid right off. And we're going to get that energy, that little energy boost that we need to get to the finish line. That's where Built Bar comes in. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Comes in 16 amazing flavors, all with 100% chocolate, which is so good. But this is also good for you. And unlike those other energy bars, unlike those other protein bars, it isn't like a nutty granola bar. Those are disgusting. I can't stand those. These are soft and easy to chew, so it literally does taste like a candy bar. But unlike most candy bars, these are for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Everything you could need, as, as, as they said in the, in the Matrix. Well, it's not the goopy stuff like in the Matrix, but should have done bars instead of goopy stuff. That, that, that's, that's my opinion. The, the, Wachow, the Wachowski siblings can, can, can take, take my advice on that uh, for, for, the, for the sequel. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, 
Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And while you're chewing on that bar, make sure that you get the knowledge to feed your brain in addition to the food to feed your body. That's where Blinkist comes in. Blinkist is a really neat uh, app that allows you to read the great works of nonfiction in bite-sized piece so you can get all that information that you need at your convenience, whether it's on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people, like business leaders, are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestsellers lists, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never had the time to. Try Blinkist today and check out such great books such as Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis by Jared Diamond, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, or Tiger Woods by Jeff Benedict. Obviously, you can see a large selection of different books. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. So we're getting closer and closer now to the beginning of training camp. Teams are obviously back in their training facilities and practice and working out individually a little bit more formally. Coaches are now working with players. We actually know when the Magic are going to be heading over to the Grand Floridian on July 7th, according to Shams Tarania, as teams begin to prepare to head to the campus site and actually begin the resumption of the season. Um, as everyone probably understands by now, We are seeing a lot of positive tests in the NBA. That is not necessarily a bad thing. The point is to catch them early, quarantine, isolate, get rid of the problem so that by the time everyone comes into the bubble, they're as clean as possible. I think the NBA's testing protocols are about as good as they can be. Um, But again, it's going to be imperfect. And and like I've said throughout this entire process, it's not a matter of if but when the virus does find its way in and how the NBA handles that. So, so far, so good, I think on the NBA front as far as trying to handle uh, handle this virus and handle uh, the potential positive cases that are around the NBA. And again, a lot of them are probably asymptomatic. You know, I, I, I think it is important to point out that having the virus isn't a death sentence uh, by any means. You know, most people do recover from this, from this virus, but it's the potential to spread that to other people, the potential that that one person it is really bad for, that part you can't predict. So again, that is why we're trying to stop the spread. That is why we're going to these measures to make sure it does not spread any further because it can be very, very, very deadly. But slowly but surely, we're going to begin turning our attention back toward basketball, back toward what we all really want to see, and that is games being played. We are roughly 30 days away. Not, you know, run out, but 34, 35 days away 
from the resumption of the season at Disney, at the ESPN Wild World of Sports Complex. And the Magic have a lot of questions to answer, for sure. As I've noted throughout the entire this entire process, what happens the rest of the season isn't going to be super important for uh, for the summer and the offseason. You know, there'll be some decisions maybe made, there'll be some things tested out, but largely the Magic understand what is in front of them. And, and of course, one of the big decisions heading into this offseason is Evan Fournier. And that decision really rests with Evan Fournier. You know, usually around this time, we'd have a pretty good idea of whether Evan Fournier is going to opt in or out of his contract. And at this point, you know, we could probably say with maybe 80% certainty that Fournier will opt into the final year of his contract uh, and stay with the Magic for the 2021 season, or at least stay under contract for the 2021 season. With so much uncertainty about the salary cap and so much uncertainty about free agency this summer and few teams with the money to spend, it does really feel like the best bet for Evan Fournier is to defer his free agency one more year and try and cash in on the very, 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 very lucrative 2021 summer, even if the salary cap does decrease just a hair. The question of whether the Magic want to re-sign Evan Fournier or want to keep Evan Fournier around is one that I think has a bit of a split um, among the constituents, among the key constituents. To Magic fans, you know, and I think this is both fair and unfair to, to Evan Fournier and to Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier does represent an era of Magic basketball that everyone is ready to move on from. He does represent uh, a group that struggled so much to win, to just win on a basic, basic, basic level. And again, to some people, it feels like Evan Fournier is standing in the way of growth, of giving the ball or giving more opportunity to other players. To this group of people, how the Magic played in those three games after to end the, the regular season as we knew it were proof positive that the Magic do not need Evan Fournier, that they could produce offensively without him, uh, and that actually he helps the team pick up its pace and and play at the at the speed and and the design that they want to. And I won't lie, there's something there. The Magic do play at a slower pace statistically, possessions per 48 minutes, with Fournier on the floor, but only slightly, only about you know 0.56 possessions per 48 minutes. Which again, that, that that does matter in the long run. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not unimportant. And observationally, yes. Fournier tends to wait a beat. He's not a kind of react attacker. He needs to pick and roll. He needs to kind of slow the game down just a little bit to attack off the dribble. As I've told many people who criticize Evan Fournier, the facts don't quite, or the numbers at least, don't quite match up this narrative. There, there might be something to it. I'm not denying that there's something to it. But really, I think the argument that we have is the Magic have put Evan Fournier in a role that he is that does not maximize his talents, that does not get the most out of him. The Magic need Fournier to do things that are probably outside of his comfort zone. Not that he's not good at it, not that he's not comfortable at it, but doing it at a high level is difficult for him. Or maybe not difficult for him, but it's difficult for the Magic to win if he if the Magic are relying on him to do all the things that he has to do. 
that the Magic ask him to do. And I think that's a fair assessment of things. And I, honestly, I, 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 know, I know I've said this a lot during the rebuild and during this time. The problem is not that the Magic don't have talented players. They have very talented players. They have very good players. What they don't have is the, the players that put everyone in the roles that maximize them, that make the most of them. That's why we see a duplication in Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon that we all feel needs to be resolved in some, some, some way. That's why, you know, Nikola Vucevic as your top offensive option, you know, ends up what it looked like in the playoffs sometimes. That's why Evan Fournier has this narrative that he is holding this team back. Again, none of that is true. Or, you know, I don't want to say none of it is true. I think there is some truth to it. But the truth is a little bit more complicated. You see, this season, Evan Fournier was having a career year. There's no other way to describe the season that he was having. He was averaging a career high in points. He was shooting it, the ball efficiently. 18.8 points per game, 56.4% effective field goal percentage, 47% overall field goal percentage, the highest of his career since he became a regular rotation player with the Orlando Magic. Evan Fournier very well kept the Magic alive in several instances. Did a very, very good job during the time that Nikola Vucevic was out, just keeping the magic afloat. Being able to attack and probe defenses. Score off the dribble. Score in pick and roll. Score off spot up threes. He did all of that exceptionally well. And we shouldn't forget that. And in fact, the numbers suggest Fournier is a pretty solid player. Fournier ranks in the 78th percentile in the league at ball at, at being the ball handler in pick and rolls with 0.95 points per possessions per possession on those plays with a 48.9% effective field goal percentage. He's in the 30, 71st percentile working off handoffs, scoring 1.02 points per possession. He's in the 99th percentile scoring off cuts. This is all to say Fournier is not some bum that the Magic have pushed forward because they have no other option. Fournier is effective. He is a good player. And I shouldn't have to go without saying, the question is always about usage. How do you maximize the players that you have? And unfortunately, early on in the season, and throughout much of Fournier's tenure with the Magic, they have needed him to be a primary ball handler, pick and roll, primary scorer. They didn't have someone else who could create, and Fournier was the best option that they had at creating off the dribble. And his three-point shooting was extremely valuable, so they could not let him go. And and honestly, the Magic are still in that boat. His three-point shooting is extremely valuable. It would be hard to let him go. But this is where things are interesting. Because there is at least some lingering question about whether Fournier can fit into a more Markel Fultz-led, high-paced offense. And I think the answer is unequivocally, yes, he can. Uh, And honestly, unequivocally, I think that's going to make him fit better. The one thing I think we could say about Steve Clifford after two years is that he is very methodical in how he builds his team up. He wants to see young players reach certain benchmarks before they get more responsibility. He wants to get to that place very, not, not necessarily very slowly, 
but with all deliberate speed. He isn't just going to throw someone out there. He's going to make sure they're ready. And certainly early on in the season, Markel Fultz was not ready. No, the Magic really didn't even have a grasp of what they had in Markel Fultz. They knew it was very good, but they weren't sure about it yet. And really what I think happened after the All-Star break when the Magic's offense really started to spark, I think what really happened was the Magic felt Markel Fultz reach the ability and the trust to run the offense more his way. They let go of the reins a little bit and let Fultz go. And Fultz played with incredible confidence. They instilled that confidence slowly over the course of the season. He's had his ups and downs. And to me, that made Fournier more effective. Because Fournier is a great spot-up shooter. 1.17 points per possession with 16.5% effective field goal percentage on spot-up opportunities this year. He scores 5.3 points per game on catch-and-shoot opportunities, trailing only Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross. The Magic are not a high-usage team. Everyone thinks Fournier pounds the, 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 the air out of the ball, but guess what? He only has a 24.2% usage rate. And while that is second on the team, it is not the crazy high usage rate of a high-volume score. Nikola Vucevic last year had a 28% usage rate. He's down to 25.8% this year. The Magic have had an extremely balanced attack, which is both a strength and perhaps part of the problem. Because again, you get stuck sometimes and this, this team doesn't have a guy that can really create or get a good shot. Evan Fournier remains such a vital piece to this team. And now that the ball is more in Fultz's hands and they're running a lot more, that's going to put Fournier in better positions for him to score. In those spot-up opportunities, in those catch-and-shoot opportunities, moving off of cuts, playing a pick-and-roll against rotating defenses rather than set defenses. Fournier's scoring average may not go up, but his efficiency sure will. And the Magic will run a more efficient and more effective offense because of it. So the question with Evan Fournier is not whether he fits this Magic team, because he absolutely does. I think that is, without a doubt, he does. He's, you know, not a bad playmaker either. Not a great playmaker. I don't, you know, I think that, yeah, I think I do think some of the criticism is fair. I think that he does sometimes take a my turn phase, and, and he has a little bit more of a green light to take contested shots and step backs that... Sometimes you wish he didn't take. But overall, it is clear Fournier fits this system, fits this team, fits what this team wants to do, so long as he's not the primary ball handler, primary scorer. He'll get his just by being in the right spot and being the smart basketball player that he is. Evan Fournier was having a career season this year. And if... If everything goes the way that it seems like it's going, if the Magic can pick up right where they left off offensively, that's going to continue when the team gets to Disney and the campus setting. The Magic offense has needed fine-tuning throughout the year, and it's just too bad that Steve Clifford can't go someplace that has every, every part that he would need to make the offense work. Well, your car is sort of like your offense, it's a, strange, it's a strange simile or metaphor that doesn't quite fit, but you got to make a transition because you got to pay the bills. Well, that's where rockauto.com comes in because it has all the parts your car will ever need. Hey, that's their catchphrase. 
It has everything you need to fix your car at low, low prices that you won't be able to find anywhere else because they treat you the same way they would treat the dealer or the car expert. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Best of all, prices at RockAuto... Uh, sorry, I read that part already. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us? box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com this lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home but i'll be honest i haven't been consistent that is until i found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. One more thing to get to before we close shop here for the week here on Locked On Magic, and that is a reminder of what we're missing. Thursday was supposed to be the NBA draft. Uh, and, and the NBA draft is obviously the unofficial kickoff to the offseason. Uh, the beginning of the transaction period, we're then a week away from free agency. And so, of course, we're missing that. The NBA draft has been pushed back to October when after the season ends. Um, as much as 2K you know, wants us to play with the, with the, with the upcoming rookie class, uh, on the My Team section, it's going to be a lot while before we see uh, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, uh, James Wiseman, and the rest of this draft class. The draft, though, never really ends. Teams are already beginning their draft prep. They're already interviewing players, uh, according to some reports. They're already making their lists and checking them twice. If anything, more time is going to give GMs and front offices more time to prepare and be ready for this draft. This is a draft that no NBA team wants to mess up with all the time they've had to do their homework and, and get as much information as they can on these players. On OrlandoMagicDaily.com, I did my first mock draft, and I, I won't, I'll admit that this is not a perfect mock draft. Um, it was kind of my first run through the draft class uh, and re- getting a deeper dive on what's in this class and where the Magics are situated. Um, you know, obviously there are already some reports and some thoughts that the Magic could trade up into the top three or in into that top group to get the guy that they want. 
I'm not convinced there is a guy that they want enough or a guy that, that's up there that is better than what they have already. And if that's the case, I'm not making a move to, to get up into this draft. There's, I think there, there's obviously a reason teams want to trade around in this draft. The top of this draft is not particularly good. But from 4 to about 17, I think, are filled with pretty solid players that have the potential to play roles depending on fit, situation, how they develop, and all that. The one thing I would say is this draft is very center-heavy and very point guard-heavy. And so, yes, while I think Devin Vassell and Aaron Neesmith are probably the top two guys on my draft board as far as realistic players the Magic could pick, I really believe that this is a draft the Magic are going to spend looking at the point guard position. Look at the Magic's point guard situation. They have Markel Fultz as their, their starting point guard for the moment. He'll be doing an extension in 2021. And he's very, very young, so I think the Magic definitely need to maintain a veteran backup point guard. Both Michael Carter-Williams and DJ Augustine will become free agents this summer, and that is that is obviously uh, going to present another big choice for the Magic. I think that's quietly one of the very big choices the Magic have to make. I think that third point guard, that second point guard that, that Steve Clifford likes to play off the bench, could be someone the Magic take in this draft. I think it would be very hard to to pay both Michael Carter-Williams and DJ Augustine and retain both of them. I suspect one will be gone by the end of the season, or, by, or at the end of the season. Uh, and honestly, I, I think it's going to be DJ Augustine. He just doesn't fit quite what the Magic want to be, but I do think the Magic will miss his veteran leadership and his veteran presence um, if they do let him walk. So I'm a little bit torn on that as well, but Michael Carter-Williams just does so many things, it's it's hard to see him go. It's a, it's a tough choice. Jeff Waltman has a tough choice, and, and maybe there maybe it's a false choice. Maybe they can keep all both of them and, and use the draft for something else. But the way this draft shakes out, there are a lot of point guards, a lot of point guards available, especially where the Magic are going to pick. Whether it's R.J. Hampton, who is was an incredible high school athlete, incredible high school prospect, chose to go pro in Australia, struggled with injuries, and frankly struggled dealing with kind of the speed and size of the game, but. He's an athletic finisher at the rim, and, and obviously the talent is there if a team wants to take the chance and grow with him. There's Kira Lewis, uh, the dynamic point guard from Alabama, who uh, is just a super athlete, um, You know, still learning how to manage a game, how to be a point guard, You know, learning how to control his pace, um, but really strong player as well. There's Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky, another kind of fast-twitch point guard who's you know probably not as good as Kira Lewis, um, but a little bit more controlled and composed. There's Theo Maladon from France, um, who's just a really, you know, honestly, Theo, I'm always impressed watching Maladon because he's just very composed and cool uh, and, and plays within himself, which I think is, is very difficult for a rookie. And, and he's very crafty and smart about how he's able to get into the paint because he doesn't have great athleticism. He's got good length. He's, he's just a really just kind of got a natural feel for the game. And, and I think he'd be a very strong pick at 15 as well. There are a lot of options available for the Orlando Magic, whether it's to trade up or trade out even, or to stand pat and take their, their pick at 15. It is important, though, that this pick does serve a purpose. Yes, they should take the best player on the board, whoever that is, but this is also a position where the Magic need to get something out of this pick, in my opinion. They need someone that they can feel like can fill a role and help this team in the same way that every single one of the rookies has essentially helped this team, whether it's Jonathan Isaac, whether it's Mo Bamba, whether it's even Wessa Wonder. Certainly, they expect Chumo Kiki to be able to step in and help the team out next year, If I, I believe. 
Might spend some time in Lakeland doing rehab rehab starts, but I think the Magic really do believe Chuma Okiki is going to be a, going to be a player next year for them. But the draft is still so far away, and there's still a lot of information to gather and a lot of things to sort through before we get there. But the draft is very clearly to me an opportunity to add something to the roster. I would say that the talent level in this draft drops off pretty significantly at around pick 16 or 17. So the Magic are at the tail end of the area where I think they can feel pretty comfortable getting a quality player, where they're not taking too much of a risk. Not that these guys don't have risk, not that there's guys later in the draft that could turn into something too. I'm not, I'm just kind of my initial assessment of the draft. And so I think the Magic have that opportunity ahead of them. And of course, as every team does, got to dot your dot your i's cross your t's at this point because draft is a long way off or you know we're still four you know three and a half months away from the draft lots going to happen between now and then but the magic have their work cut out for them and opportunity to boot i want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of locked on magic of course find me on twitter at you can find us on Twitter at Lockdown Magic. Find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in Himalay, Google Play, Spotify, and all different places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, again, follow, follow me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including my full mock draft, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Be sure to check out the latest episode of, of Rejecting the Screen as well as I spoke to Mark Jackson. Not that Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson with a C, the former Golden State Warriors and Philadelphia 76ers forward about his life in the NBA, 13 years in the NBA with so many teams, with seven teams, the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Nets, and the Hornets, as well as the Sixers. He discusses life in the NBA with Adam Stenko and Noah Kozlov. Download Rejecting the Screen wherever you download podcasts today. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Next week, training camp gets real. The return to the NBA It's very, very, it was real this week. Gets much more real next week as teams prepare to head off to Disney for the campus setting. So big, big week next week. We'll have it all covered here on Locked on Magic. Maybe going back to daily very soon. We'll see. Um, But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Phil Frostman. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.